Welcome back to Knocked Up, the podcast with Dr. Raylia Liu from Women's Health World Melbourne. Welcome, Raylia. Hi. Today we're talking about ideal embryo transfer technique. So this will be when everything goes right. Yeah, absolutely. So a much underrated part of the IVF uh, journey, I suppose, is the embryo transfer. Yes, I think we focus a lot on the first part, which is what we associate with IVF and egg freezing, but we don't look at the bit where the transfer happens so much. So embryo transfer, it's it what it what it relates to is the is the placement of the embryo within the uterus, mm-hmm. and it has a couple of elements to be perfect. So the first is the timing. So embryo transfer should be done at the right time of the cycle, and in terms of a stimulated cycle, sometimes not doing an embryo transfer is the right thing. So. Um, that should be individualised. And there are some circumstances where your doctor may advise you as a patient to not have an embryo transfer and to wait and to freeze your embryo and put it back another day. So getting the timing right is really important. And what we're trying to do there is get a sink Mm -hmm. between the embryo and the endometrium. So what would be be something that a a doctor sees that makes them go, "Let's, let's wait a bit? Well, if... The IVF stimulation has made lots and lots of eggs. That can be a clue that the hormonal environment of the uterus is not going to be normal. Yep. And not only is it not going to be normal, it's going to be way off normal. Yep. And um, while the embryo is is, um, is fresh and hasn't been frozen yet, yep. um, and that's an advantage from the embryo's point of view, if you put it back into a uterine environment that's not receptive um, and that you know can't hear the messages that the embryo is sending, then fertilisation won't... Um, won't progress to a to a normal baby, and the embryo is developed in the lab up to say the blastocyst stage when most transfers are done. But it's a lot of steps between being a blastocyst and, and making a baby, and um, and that also requires a two way conversation between the uterus lining, the endometrium, and the embryo itself to form its placenta and, and to implant. So then there's the physical which is the absolute technique of the, of the embryo transfer. Yeah. So for most patients, an embryo transfer is done with you awake. Okay. And it's an appointment that probably takes not that long. I mean, probably about 10, 15 minutes for the actual procedure. It might take a bit longer once, you know, kind of come into the unit and get admitted by the nurse and have your blood pressure taken and whatnot. probably takes more like, you know, 45 minutes. So but the actual procedure itself will take 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And... What we do with an embryo transfer, what we should do is ensure that a woman is as relaxed as possible. Mm-hmm. So that, that's important because we want your transfer to be kind of atraumatic and you want it to be straightforward. So atraumatic means not traumatic. Yeah, not traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we know that difficult transfers and more traumatic transfers where there's bleeding can reduce pregnancy rates. Yes. Um, and stimulating the cervix, if if you do that, um, causes some uterine contractions, and that, might and that can mean that you yeah you might expel the embryo. Okay. So for best results, you want to have a really gentle technique, yep. and you want to have a patient who's really relaxed. Yep. So having a relationship, you know, with the patient, you know, previous to to doing the transfer is really useful because patients tend to be more at ease, um, which is nice. In terms of what we do, the patient, um, the woman, is positioned on the transfer lounge 
and we do a speculum examination. So speculum's like the... So it's like a smear? It's a bit like a smear. Okay. So it's the same instrument you use for a pap smear. And what we're trying to do is just expose the cervix so we can see it. Yes. And then the next step is to remove the mucus from the cervix because the mucus that is um, produced the by the cervix, yeah, it, you don't want it to block the little catheter that has the embryo in it when you put the embryo inside. Yep. So what I do is I gently clean the cervix. And in our lab, we make a special media in-house that has lots of properties that are similar to embryo culture media. And we use that to wash the cervix. Yep. And that's really helpful and improves pregnancy rates. Yep. Then um, what you want to do is make sure that you place the embryo uh, in the, the right place. And there are certain things that you need to do in, in Victoria and in Australia that to comply with the way that our governing bodies think IVF labs should run. So one of those is a double ID check. So what that means is just a... A kind of a process so that the right person gets the right embryo all so the time. Asking, what's your name? What's your birthday? What's your address? Exactly. So just multiple identifiers that the patient confirms that the embryo is their embryo, and the patient checks with the doctor and with the scientist, and then the doctor checks again with the scientist, and ID checks the embryo in in and signs it off. So that you know our aim is that a hundred percent of the time we get it right, yeah. and there are no mistakes. And that's also to make sure that the right number of embryos go back, that the woman has stipulated most of the time it's one at a time. But very occasionally um, we do do a double embryo transfer in some circumstances. And then what you want to do is that when you do place the embryo inside the uterine cavity, you want to place it about a centimetre from the top of the cavity. You don't want to place it right at the top because you don't want to poke the endometrium at the top of the uterus. You don't want to traumatise it. You want it to be nice and receptive. You want it to be completely atraumatic if you can. So very gentle technique. And what helps is ultrasound guidance. So what we do um, in my unit is I have a, a nurse who's been trained in ultrasound monitoring who's helping me at the time by placing the ultrasound on, on the woman's tummy so that I can see in real time exactly what I'm doing. And um, then what I do is I place the, the embryo... Um, inside the uterus using an inner catheter and an outer catheter. Mm -hmm. The outer catheter just goes through the opening of the cervix and the inner catheter is the little tube that the embryo is, is um, loaded into by the scientist. And once I've got my outer catheter beautifully positioned, I call for the inner catheter. Yep. We do a final ID check where the scientist puts the embryo dish on the screen and um, the patient again checks the ID. Yes. They might think at this stage we're a little obsessed with this, but it's part of the process. They think everyone wants the right baby. Yeah, absolutely. They want their baby. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then we get the opportunity to have a look at the embryo, okay. which is nice. Um, and then the embryo is loaded up into the little tube, mm -hmm. and that's brought to me. And I place the little tube under ultrasound vision still through the outer catheter. I withdraw the outer catheter, and then I implant the embryo by kind of pressing a little syringe on the bottom of the inner catheter and then withdraw that catheter too. And what you see on the screen when you're looking at the ultrasound at this point, it's a little flash of fluid. Now, obviously, the embryo is microscopic. So what we see is the little bit of liquid that the embryo was in. Was in. But we still do an, an extra check because embryos are sticky. It's their job to stick. That is their job to stick. And... Um, 
Yeah, and we, in addition, use embryo glue for every patient, which is a, it's an extra sticky medium. So, um, and that's to make sure the embryo stays where I put it. But we still don't 100% trust that the embryos left the catheter 100% of the time. So the catheter goes back to the embryologist and under a microscope they double-check the catheter and flush it to make sure it's all clear. And what I want to see when they're flushing the catheter in an ideal circumstance is that there's no blood and there's no mucus on the catheter. I want to see a beautiful, clean tip because that tells me that the transfer I've just done has not been in any way traumatic and that's what I want. So um, that's kind of my technique for the perfect transfer. So the other thing, patients often ask me, do you need to lie down afterwards? <laughs> yeah, legs in the air. Yeah, there's, yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of urban myths going around there. <laughs> so it's actually been studied and it shows actually that bed rest is not helpful. Oh. It's not harmful, yeah. but it's not helpful. So the embryo... An analogy I sometimes use with patients is the embryo is like a poppy seed in a jam sandwich. Yes. It's not going to fall out when you get up. And likewise, we also ask patients, it's a form of bladder torture, yes. to have a full bladder for their embryo transfer and they have to hold on. And that's so the ultrasound works well. Because yes. it uses the bladder as kind of an acoustic oh. window yes. so, so that the ultrasound waves show a nice clear picture of the uterus for me. So patients are always asking also... Can you, Can you pee? Yeah. Will it fall out? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, just to reassure, it's not going to fall out. It's um, certainly the, the genital tract's very separate, similar proximity, but separate to the yes. urinary tract. So you don't have to worry about holding on after an embryo transfer. You can go to the bathroom straight away. It's not an issue. So basically there are some issues that can complicate transfers for some patients. Um, and... Uh, one of them is called cervical stenosis. That's when the cervix is very tight. Mm -hmm. That can happen naturally, but it's more commonly a problem after surgery to the cervix. And a common kind of surgery to the cervix is laser or a LETS or a LEAP procedure for abnormal cells of the cervix picked up on a smear in the past. So sometimes um, that can cause a problem and one thing we can do is before doing an embryo transfer, you can have a dilatation procedure of the cervix to make it easier for you. Yeah. Um, the uterine anatomy might be difficult, might be abnormal. So I have a patient uh, that I helped recently who had a congenital abnormality of her uterus where she actually has two separate uteruses. It's called a didelphus. How does that work? It's just, it's just one of those things. It's, um, there's, there's a lot of different congenital abnormalities of the uterus around. You can have a uterus that's kind of a heart-shaped uterus. You can have a uterus that's called a bicornuate uterus, which has got kind of two parts that don't at the bottom. A didelphus is we have two separate uteri with two separate cervixes. And the reason for these is that when you're an embryo yourself and you become a fetus and these parts are forming, the uterus forms from these two tubes called malarian ducts and they join together and they fuse. Yes. And the inner kind of um, tissue between the two tubes dissolves. That doesn't always dissolve? It doesn't always dissolve and they don't always fuse. So even if someone with, has a didelphus, which is two separate uteri, yeah. um, the tubes just never fused and each formed its own uterus and cervix. And with some people, if the middle bit doesn't um, dissolve, they can have a septum, which is like a wall in the middle of the uterus that sometimes needs to be surgically removed for fertility purposes. 
Um, or you can have one horn of the uterus that is rudimentary and doesn't grow and then you've got what's called a unicorn uterus where you have only one uterus from one tube. So if there's anything I've learned since we've started doing these podcasts, it's that all kinds of crazy things are going on inside you and you've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> and most of the time they're not actually having any impact on anything. What yeah. percentage of people does this happen to me? Oh, it's a very low percentage. Okay. It's a very low percentage. Really talking about exceptions. Yeah, but in my patient I recently helped, she had two separate uteri, and so we had to place the, oh, the embryo. Choose one. choose one. Yeah. That's quite good in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean that naturally she possibly could have conceived twins? Uh, well, she would still probably only ovulate one egg a month, oh, just like everyone else. Okay. Um, but in her circumstance, um, actually, they, the reason for IVF was that she had a, a partner who had a sperm problem. So. Okay. So it was kind of just a, it's a, but it just goes to show you things that look relatively simple on surface can be, surface can be quite complex. Yes. Um, so what what we can do if if someone has a challenging embryo transfer, um, what you can do is you can do a mock cycle. So you can do a mock transfer, where in the rooms you have a go in out outside of the context of an IVF cycle. So there's no pressure. Yeah, yeah. And you see how just get used to the procedure. Yeah, understand exactly, happening. and have a little bit of, of knowledge of what to do as the clinician, so that you can then repeat it in the real real situation. Um, and sometimes that requires a visit to theatre under anaesthetic to formally dilate the cervix and and really map out the anatomy. Um, and you know, sometimes patients being relaxed can really help. So, if patients find it stressful or if the procedure is stressful. Um, sometimes helping them with techniques like um, psychological relaxation techniques, meditation, that kind of thing um, can be helpful. Um, and uh, sometimes I even use a, a pre-medication if someone's really stressed or finds a transfer uncomfortable, like, say, a Valium, for example. Yeah, just to relax. Just, just to relax. And that's a muscle relaxant as well as, a, as, well as a, um, another um, a med- medication to reduce anxiety. Yeah. Okay. So relax. Yeah, so relax. And most embryo transfers um, in the right hands, in the right conditions, go beautifully. And very quickly. And very quickly. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia, Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.